Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mummers the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood you know the real conversations tips and tricks products we love and brands we can't live without let's get into it oh good morning how are you you tired oh you're very sprightly <laughs> you're, actually you really haven't been up fake. since 3 30 <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been up since 3 30 no but I'm, not, I'm tired I'm good I'm fine yeah I mean yeah I had a busy weekend and I don't know about you but if I have one late night, I've, I feel like I'm having a two-day like oh, hangover. Mate. I still feel bad. It's not fair. I don't like it. I'll tell you really? what it is as well. And this is this is such a positive because um, I'm sure everyone listening will agree that the minute the sun comes out, we have been having the nicest weather here in the UK. Yes. It just turns into like a video shoot from Hotel Tropicana. Like everyone's <laughs> like, let's go to the, you know, bring the kids and let's sit in the garden. Let's drink roses. And it's like, it's lovely. It is lovely. But genuinely, I feel like I've been on an 18 to 30s holiday. Same. That's how I feel. Well. I feel like I've been hit by a bus like yeah. genuinely like yeah. I mean a lot of it's self-inflicted so you know fine but <laughs> don't like feel too sorry for you <laughs> no don't feel so, but you yeah I'm like oh yeah. yeah I just feel really tired and it's not good yeah. it's but you know like when you're on holiday you just keep going don't you you can yeah. keep drinking and staying up late and it's all fine because you're laying down during the day but when the laying down part isn't happening <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> also sleeping at night it was hysterically funny Saturday night I feel like it was the first time this year that we've done that whole like duvet on duvet off duvet on duvet off and we, we I was like earlier on in the evening I was like it's going to be hot tonight I'm going to read up on some hacks to cool you down before yeah. bedtime so it's like have a lukewarm shower fine did that didn't I, I think they're fucking weird and they make you feel really cold and horrible yeah. and then it was like get a um, hot water bottle with lukewarm hot water bottle and put the soles of your feet on it so me and Doz did it basically ended up overheating and sweating even more and I was like oh it's supposed gosh. to raise your body temperature and then cool you down just, I was like drinking tea that doesn't like, work that's why in lots of hot countries they drink <laughs> tea yes. isn't it because then yeah. it, like your body temperature gets I mean do you know what I did on Saturday night I um what? it was actually quite nice I went out till quite late actually 3 a.m maybe later Jesus and I fell asleep in the taxi on the way home and because it's so nice now I woke up and it was complete daylight and what? I was like oh my god what's happened where am I <laughs> Oh my Where God. did you go? Well, we, I went out for dinner with some friends and then we went to Soho House and Tiny Temper was playing. So then we ended up staying there. But the shock was waking up and it looking like yeah. it was like 10 o'clock in the yeah. morning. Actually, it wasn't. It was 4.30. But I had the shock. You know when you were suddenly like, oh my God. And then I Georgia, walk what in. what time did you get to bed? 5 a.m.? I got in at 4.30. So I was straight, straight to bed. You No, but then you wake up at like... 7.30 because the sun is shining through and you're like like oh yeah it's it, there's there's great things about summer and then there's really bad things too like if you're that. just joining the podcast Georgia and I are now behaving like we're a couple of 18 year olds yeah, we are, because we? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, what were you doing last week you were, oh my you God. were like living your best life I went away for a couple of days decided that it was um, a really good idea to drink all of the drinks at the bar like we had two nights away in in a really nice hotel but I was like I'll tell you what would be a really sensible idea let's just get really shit faced 
on the first night. I passed out. I gave myself food, uh, not food poisoning, alcohol poisoning. I did the entire <laughs> night. Like, this isn't cool. I'm so out of practice with being like a cool kind of gal about town. I just end up getting really pissed. <gasps> oh, my God. No, that's the same as me. I get overexcited yeah. and it's just yeah. not good. But, you know, yeah. anyway. Where are our children in all of these escapades? I know, exactly. <laughs> and that's why we need people like today's guest on the podcast <laughs> to make sure we're really not messing them up. <laughs> uh, we've got a really fantastic podcast for you today. So we'll, top, we'll stop telling you about how much alcohol we've been consuming and we'll get straight into the chat. Um, George and I really, really wanted to have a conversation with this incredible person after we saw him on a panel we went to um we went to the vermilion book uh, i guess kind of like a, a book morning to discuss all of their latest releases the the books that they have coming out and he was sitting on the panel and wow what an engaging guest he was yeah we really loved listening to him and just He's got some quite strong views on things, but equally he's very realistic. I think when we have somebody like this who's a real expert in their field on the podcast, we just basically mm. want to like put their number in our phone so we can ring yeah. them at all times like SOS. But it's, yeah. I think it's really good to take a moment to think about all these things because we're so worried about all of, you know our actions and what impact they have on our kids and it's really good to kind of like break it all down and think realistically and talk to somebody like this about what we can be doing and what what he sees and just just get like, sort of break it down so it doesn't feel so scary it's really yeah. scary raising a human yeah. <laughs> and making sure that you're doing it right so I love these chats and that is why Georgia and I are not around them as much as we should be. It's just too scary for us guys, okay? It's so too we're just going to be out and about drinking this summer aggressively. Uh, Georgia, let's get into it. Who are we chatting to today? We are chatting to the wonderful Louis Weinstock. So a very big introduction today because the wonderful man that we're chatting to on the podcast, highly qualified. So here goes, I'll take a deep breath. A transpersonal psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, coach and meditation teacher. Uh, he's worked with vulnerable children for more than 20 years as a drugs counsellor, social worker. Uh, he's also the co-founder of A Part of Me, a charity that helps young people transform their grief into compassion. He's also an author, uh, How the World is Making Our Children Mad. And he's also a father of a little girl who is five. Today, we say hello to Louis Weinstock. Hello. Welcome. Wow. That was a big old intro, wasn't it? (laughs) That was. I I feel like I'm really special now. (laughs) I actually don't know where to start now. I'm like, well, where are we going to go to? What does a typical day look like for you when you're doing all of that kind of stuff? I was actually just saying before we came on that I'm actually trying to slow down the busyness of my life at the moment. So I'm trying to have slow starts to the mornings, which usually involves a nice walk in the woods or doing some exercise but typically I'll have uh, therapy clients that I work with which can be children or parents or grown-ups who are dealing with different issues in life often there's trauma involved or loss involved Uh, and then the rest of the time I do sort of workshops training some coaching and I run this charity which you mentioned called a part of me where we Uh, design therapeutic games and other products and services that help children who've experienced difficult life events like loss and trauma and divorce so that that bit of my world is more what shall I say it's kind of creative but I'm the CEO so it's a lot of sort of organizing herding cats kind of stuff which is you know not always the most fun thing to do but it's important work so I don't mind it. Louis have we have we always um sort of felt or seen this amount of sadness or is it only because we are talking about it a lot more now that it feels like it's around more or has it always been historically you know part of our sort of emotional I guess jigsaw puzzle wow I love the fact that you've gone straight into the uh the theme and the emotion of sadness (laughs) definitely human beings arrive into this world uh and have done for a long long time wired for certain emotional responses so you know typically the first thing that a baby does when they come out of the womb and arrive into the world is they cry now you could give it different labels uh, but it is a kind of sadness and what we know uh, is that sadness is a care-seeking response so when a child cries what they're really trying to do on a biological level they're not like coming into the world and thinking about it it's a biological response where they're trying to get care and connection 
from the people who are close to them. So I think that's always been the case for human beings. And I think it's a really helpful way to think about sadness. It's something inside of us is wanting to get some care or some connection or something's missing. And the sadness is indicating to us what what might be missing in our lives. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's an interesting way of looking really... at it. I've never even yeah. thought about it like that. I just thought, I genuinely just thought that because of, you know, the way that we are in the 2023 world or, you know, it has been for however long we're discussing things a lot more than we used to. You know, you only have to look at our parents' generation to think, well, that whole kind of like stiff up it thing and, you know, you just got to get on with it, little Johnny. And then now we're kind of like, there's a space for people to talk about every kind of emotion that we experience. Um and I there guess that is. has got something to do with that. But yeah, maybe it starts from the minute we come out. Well, the other thing to say about emotions, and um, this applies to sadness and anger and, and basically the whole range of emotions, is that they are very highly contagious, like a like a virus, really. So, you know, there's a great video that you can watch on YouTube of a guy who sets up this kind of experiment at a bus stop where he just starts laughing hysterically. And you see the people around him, like they're really looking awkward, like they're not sure what to do. And then one after another, like dominoes, they break and they all start laughing hysterically. And the same that. is true with sadness and with anger. Like we're so influenced by other human beings, basically. And in the age of uh, the internet and social media, which I like to talk of as the digital nervous system because essentially our nervous systems are connected with 8 billion people on the planet so if you see somebody post something an image or even just words or a video that will have a direct emotional response or it can do on your body and on your nervous system and I don't think we actually pay that anywhere near enough attention so we're sort of like just constantly being influenced by other people's feelings and we don't have enough space just to even process our own feelings. So true. So, yeah. So do you think that social media is having a negative impact on our emotions? Well, I mean, there's definitely, I don't want to just fall into the sort of uh, category of just being sort of sounding like a fuddy-duddy, which I sometimes might be at risk of by saying social media is just bad, because obviously there's lots of good things about social media. And social media can spread positive feelings as well. You know, like, if I think back, so our um, wedding anniversary, one of the things that I love doing every year is just posting the video of our wedding, which may seem a little bit sickening, but it's just so lovely, lovely. to get all the love yeah. from people that you felt. You're almost trying to recreate that feeling of that mm. day. And that's a great thing about social media. But obviously, there are so many dark sides to it and so many harms. And I think it's just, you know, I mean, we can really go into this if you want. But for me, it's just about how we manage our relationship to it. It's it's basically whether you're on it in a mindful way and whether you have good limits around it or what we find with a lot of children, young people that I work with, they're just really it's an addiction because instead of actually having space to deal with some perhaps difficult feelings that are coming up, we turn to social media to distract ourselves. But then it's paradoxical because we're trying to distract ourselves but we're also getting more emotional input from the world out there so it just doesn't actually work like any addiction doesn't work it's really interesting that you're that you're kind of bringing this up because even as as grown-ups you know both George and I sometimes get ourselves down a rabbit hole in social media and sometimes it yeah. can have a really detrimental effect to what well, definitely to my day you know sometimes if I'm you know, scrolling and then I start seeing, we, we were talking about aging, we're talking about aging on the yeah. podcast. Um, and, you know, you're seeing people that have had their lips done and they've had fillers, and they've had Botox and they've got hair extension. You know, just like, oh God, I don't feel, oh God, should I should I be or should I not be? And I'm a grown up, so I can I know that I've got to put my phone down and go, right, yeah. that's not a healthy space for me to be in at the moment. But as a 12 year old girl or a 13 year old girl, how the hell do you navigate that level of like, yes. I guess, you know, this perfectly curated world on Instagram which actually is just a load of rubbish in my eyes I don't know it must be so difficult yeah and also I guess like some of the clients you see who you know they may be going through a difficult time at home they use it as their escape but then if their escape isn't a positive place then where is a positive where is it where, where, where do they go? What, what sort of stuff do you get, you know, coming up when you have these sessions? Oh, so, so, so much stuff. Like I kind of want to just, uh, 
I want to answer that, but also yeah. just come back a bit to the comment about girls and body image in social media, because that is one thing that I get um, quite a lot, especially with girls, although it's definitely becoming more common with boys as well. But um, when you were talking about that sort of the reality of growing up as a girl, particularly a woman in, in this social media age, I actually felt sad because, you know, I've got a daughter and uh, in my book, I write, uh, I've got a chapter about body and body image. And I write about some of the really worrying statistics that kids, even from as young as five now, are starting to like really be conscious about their body image and their weight. Oh, and if you just look at some of the uh, programs that are on Netflix, so we actually, we uh, let things slip a bit with our daughter where we thought, well, it's the kids channel. She just started to flick between a couple of things. So, you know, it can't be anything too bad. And then we found her watching this program called Mermaids with a Z. Oh, Mermaids. My daughter's watching that. She's six. Oh, no. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what? Well, this is, this is a good point for discussion because okay. um, what we noticed when we actually sat down and watched it with her is these mermaids, like they're, first of all, look at what they're wearing and their bodies. Like it's a very, very uh, unnatural and unrealistic body that is being shown. Secondly, they're taking selfies all the time. Like, right. So just even the concept of a program about mermaids with these ridiculous bodies taking selfies just doesn't feel like nourishing no. stuff for a, a girl growing up. Even if, you know, they might not be making, we might think they're not making sense of it in that way, but it's images just sort of sink in and they, they start to shape how we think about ourselves and, and, and others. So, um, yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on that one. I haven't seen it because I haven't watched it. I just thought it was like a little you know, tweens show that, you know, she seemed to really like and she's watching it with her older sister. But she's yeah. become recently quite obsessed with her hair. So that's maybe that's she's just not happy with her hair every day. She wakes up and she's brushing it and brushing it. And, I don't like my hair anymore. I don't like my hair anymore. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. So yeah. maybe it's so a bloody bone. Do, you know, yeah. do you know what though? So like on the on the flip side of that, you were talking about girls and watching like TV programs and stuff. But I don't. I don't know how you can kind of stop that because, for instance, like Axel, he loves football and he like really is into Jack Grealish, okay? And even like a year ago, he'd be like, how do I get my calves like that? Is that because he's got big calves that he wears his socks like that? Or does he do... And I mean, on the surface, you think, oh, well, that's all right. It's, it's no biggie. But then you think, oh, God, he's six and he's trying to change the way his body looks, like... No, they're so body aware though, aren't yeah. they? Already, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, have you guys before I sort of share what maybe I think could be helpful? Have you guys found anything in those kind of conversations that you've thought has been helpful around body? So I've been trying to. So our whole message at home is about you know how you feel on the inside and loving the skin that you're in, and we're really we've really positive messages and I'm very aware of it because I grew up with somebody who was a model and she was all about surface skin shit and like I've had that conversation with her a billion times about how she was so obsessed with us looking a certain way because it made her almost feel better um so I'm really aware of that that, that positive language happening around my daughters and kit um and and actually yeah, I'm seeing some really good progress in Luna. Isla has got webbed feet and we talk about that a lot and her image and how she's going to cope when people start talking about it at school and stuff. So we're having some big conversations, but I always just try to say the same thing to them that it's never about beauty is not about how we look. It's all about how beautiful our heart is and how kind we are. So that's, that's the message that I'm telling them. Hopefully that's the right thing. I love that. Yeah. I think that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, George, absolutely. are you having to do um, the same thing? Well, I guess not so much with Axel because he's, I, I guess, more wanting to look like a some like a, someone that he admires, and so I try and give him like. I sort of try and talk about the body as in like the way it functions. So yeah. I'm like, oh, well, just because his legs look like that, it doesn't mean he's stronger. And I'll be like, look, look at all of these other people. They're all of the footballers' legs. They all look different and they're all still footballers. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> yeah. we it, they, st they still work the same. <laughs> like, even though they his look, legs look like this and his legs look like this, they still do the same thing. They still do the yeah. same job. And then he's like, oh, right, okay, yeah, okay, get it. But he's still... It's still it's scary I think that he's so that. yeah, yeah. Mm. it is scary and I think you, you know I I think what you both said is uh, and you're saying to your kids is brilliant the only thing I would add to that which I do mention in the book is 
it can help for you actually to be a bit more honest with them that there are if if this ever comes up like you wouldn't necessarily do it proactively but if there are parts of your body that you don't like you know actually being a bit honest about that can actually help to reduce the shame because if if we're just saying you know well just just love your inner beauty and it's all about the heart but actually we're not role modeling it ourselves and if they don't feel that, then they can have shame about these thoughts and feelings they have about their own body. So on some level, we just want to also normalize the fact that we all have parts of ourselves that we don't like. And that's OK. Doesn't mean we have to change them or fix them. You know, we can just accept that we have different parts of ourselves that we don't like and find ways to love them. Does I love that. Make that. Sense? How, how much really of what we're that. saying are they taking on board? That may sound like a stupid statement or question but how, how much of it is really impacting them do you think i think that what they need is just the same messages repeated uh, consistently over time like it's not like they just get it once and um there's some really interesting studies there was one study done by harvard about the messages that parents give to their kids and they literally monitored over a few weeks i think thousands of messages that you share with your kids every day and then they compared it against uh, the parents' values and what they actually thought they believed in. So these parents right. really wanted their kids to grow up being kind and compassionate. Um, that was their, you know, external values. But when they recorded the daily messages, there was hardly any messaging about that. Most of it was about, come on, like, work harder, be successful. So there was a bit of a conflict between those things. If that makes sense. So I, I just think like get clear on what your values are, which I think you are. And then you just really do have to deliver it consistently. And also think about your messaging versus the amount of messaging they're getting from the world out there, uh, you know, which can feel a bit daunting and a bit scary. But, you know, it's so important that what you say uh, to your kids and saying it consistently, I think is so important. I really find what you just said really interesting about people saying, oh, I just want my kids to grow up and be kind and happy, but really they want their kids to grow up and be like successful and whatever. And I find this really difficult in like at home, really in life, because on one, like one side of me, I said about Axel loving football and like loving other things like, and I just don't know where, where is like, where's the line where you want to encourage your children and like, say for instance, if they've got a hobby that they're really good at, you don't want them to give it up, you know, because we there's all there's times where we've all not in, like wanted to do something we actually enjoy. So where's that line? Because I have this just conversation with my husband all the time. He was a, a, a footballer, a football player. Okay, that was his job, and now he's got a son who is showing an interest in it. And I'm very much like I don't care. Like I literally don't care whether whatever he, makes you happy, whatever. Mm. And I'm mm. very much like oh, if he doesn't want to go, like he doesn't have to go. Like I'm not bothered. Whereas he's like, no, because he's telling me he wants to be successful in this. And I know how, what it takes to become that. So I'm explaining to him what it takes to become that and maybe pushing him a bit. Are you saying like, like, what's the line between being a pushy parent and actually supporting that their choices? Yeah. yeah, Okay. That's difficult. Because I do think that is really difficult because yeah, of course, like you say to a kid, oh, come on, let's, let's try really hard at maths because you're so good at it. Like let's, let's really try. They're not going to want to do it all the time, but you know, as a parent, they need to. I just don't. I just don't know what the line is where it becomes too much. Yes, I mean it's a tricky one, and I don't think there's an easy answer. And it's balancing. So I love like the idea of balance. Is balance isn't like a steady state. It's a constant process of like now we're noticing that maybe we're pushing a bit too much on this, and then we have to balance it out by giving them more of their own space or more compassion or whatever it is that you want to cultivate in them and I think maybe one helpful um, psychological concept which I'm sure you've come across before is intrinsic motivation I've never heard of that mm. it, it, have you intrinsic, there's intrinsic and extrinsic motivation so okay. uh, extrinsic motivation is when you want to do something because you've seen somebody else doing it and all human beings are so influenced by what other people want Right. You just see somebody and then unconsciously you decide that that's what you want. And that mm. never leads to fulfillment. Never. 
and then intrinsic motivation is something we're born with where we are naturally motivated by certain things so like a toddler for example doesn't need to necessarily see other people doing something to be naturally motivated to play with a particular toy or try something different. So we're, we're born with this built-in sort of curiosity to try and find things out and learn things and discover things. And so I would suggest, like just keeping that concept in mind, can you make sure that whatever the external pressures are of school and sports and being successful, like nurturing a space where your child can keep following their natural intrinsic motivation? Okay. Right. And then do are we, sp- I mean, because like Georgia highlighted, there'll probably be times where they say, oh, I don't want to go to multi-sports today, or I don't want to do tennis today. You only, you only have to watch, you know, King Richard to know about the, the Serena and Venus Williams story that you know was that more about him trying to get his daughters to become champions or was it about the girls and I guess probably it was a combination of the both but it's very hard as a parent to be to kind of stick to it get it right and not have a long-term impact on them being like well you know I was forced to go to tennis every week and I didn't want to do it and Mm, it was all all about the parent and less about the child and it's a bit of a minefield isn't it to know what is right and what isn't right we'll be right back after this short break A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? There's this um, model, which um, I also, I'm going to keep plugging my book relentlessly by the no, way. Yeah. So I will Please do. apologize for that. But yeah. there's a model that I reference in my book, which comes from this type of therapy called compassion-focused therapy, which was developed by a brilliant um, professor of psychology in the UK called Paul Gilbert. Um, anyway, he, he has this uh, model of the three circles, which basically describe our three basic motivational systems that human beings have. So the red circle is what we all kind of know as fight or flight, and that basically keeps us safe when we're yeah. threatened. The blue circle is dopamine. So it's basically seeking rewards in the future. So when you think about uh, chasing some idea of success in the future, that's dopamine. That's the blue circle. And then the green circle is compassion. It's connection. It's like the, uh, you know, the uh, the sort of monkeys like grooming each other. It's just all of that lovely warm yeah. stuff where we feel warm in the heart and we feel safe. Now, none of those circles is wrong. We need all three of them. But if we're too much in the blue and the red circle, which I believe just in this culture that we live in this crazy world we're mostly in the blue and the red circle then we really suffer on many levels and that's relevant to the conversation about sports and success and chasing things because what we find like one of my favorite examples is johnny wilkinson the the rugby player yeah yeah yeah. he basically describes that when he he reached the absolute pinnacle of any rugby player's dream which was kicking the winning kick in the rugby world cup final after that, he went into a period of depression. So, wow. and that, by the way, is incredibly common in highly successful people who reach this thing that they're following this dopamine fueled blue circle, living like chasing this dream in the future. The idea is that when you get to that place, somehow everything will then be perfect and you'll be perfectly happy. But then you realize obviously it's not because things don't work like that. So, I think that's just helpful to keep in mind. We definitely, it's good to have the chasing success in the future bit, but we want to balance it out with that green circle, which is just about downtime and connecting with each other and just doing nice, lovely, nourishing things. Mm, I love hearing that. I love that. You can't have one without the other and, you know, a combination of all three 
hopefully yeah. will give you that perfect picture at home and a, and a balanced child, which a is balance, what we, which exactly. is what we all want. I yeah. want to touch on, um, you know, what you've got a five year old girl, I've got a six year old girl and a 10 year old girl today, and you've got a little girl, Gigi, you're just little girl. Um, so they are coming into that stage where they're becoming more aware about themselves. You know, they're, 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 they're at school now, they're kind of interacting with other kids and stuff. What are the worries and concerns uh, that at least concern you about kind of living in the modern world today with our kids being at school and being exposed to what they're exposed to? Oh, well, definitely body image, which we've uh, touched on. Um, perfectionism, which links to body image, is a big thing. Um, and I think that sort of definitely gets modelled a bit through social media. There's a there's a strange um, paradox where we're seeing more and more vulnerability on social media, which is great. But the paradox, which I yeah. call the vulnerability paradox, is you then make that the thing that you want to be perfect about because you're still addicted to getting the likes. So I worked with a teenage girl a few years ago who she'd gone down the whole route and she developed incredible social anxiety because she created this persona on Instagram of a girl who was so funny and confident and she had all the filters to make her body and her face look you know as beautiful as it possibly could but then when she went to school and met people in person she had this intense social anxiety because wow. she wasn't the person that was projected out on social media but then she had this uh, sort of like insight or epiphany where she said, I'm just going to start posting more natural, authentic, body positive images of myself, which sounds like such a brilliant thing. But then she started to get hooked on the validation she was getting for all of that stuff. And it, even though it's, be it's, be it's, better than, it's better than the other thing, but it still is like this addictive process where you're still like doing it to get the likes get and the response. validation. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. That's a minefield, isn't it? I hadn't thought it? of that actually. <laughs> yeah. the, whole, the whole validation thing. And actually like, I guess offline this happens as well, doesn't it? Because we talk about kids who grow up being people pleasers and then we're people pleasers as adults and all of that kind of stuff. Would you say that that is heightened now? Like everyone is trying to be perfect and please and just have I think it so. I think it's, social it's media is so successful mm. because it taps into like some of the deepest needs that we have as human beings. And one of the deepest needs is just to get approval by our tribe and feel validated by our tribe. So it's just perfectly designed to tap into that. Unfortunately, just most of the time, I don't think it offers us any meaningful validation. I mean, I'm not ruling it out completely because sometimes you can feel a, a momentary burst of satisfaction when something that you share online gets, you know, some positive comments and some likes or sparks a discussion. That, that can be good. But I would say that the satisfaction you get from that is quite fleeting. Mm. Don't you think? Oh, my God, totally. T yeah. Totally. And then you're all because once you've got a like and you count how many likes you want more. What more likes? Yeah. How many? You know, you even say that you hear yourself having those conversations with your friends, going, "Well, this post did really well because it got twelve hundred likes," and you're yeah. like, "But what was the post what about? It, yeah. Yeah. What was the message? And does it matter? Yeah. And does it matter? This is the yeah. stuff that honestly, like, <laughs> fries our brains. This really does like get not even so much for myself, but more for my kids. Like this whole like thing of like, I want them. To, I don't want them to be people pleasers, but equally, I don't want them to grow up being assholes. So I do want them to please others well because I want them well because I want them to be nice. <laughs> but I, so I don't want them to tell them, oh, you don't have to worry about anyone else and pleasing anyone else. You should just be yourself because actually that's really extreme and that you could be awful if you do that. Proper wanker, yeah. I just don't know. <laughs> well, no, you. I think you do know way more than you uh, are letting on because what you're just describing and similarly to the last comment is just you're aware of the different extremes. And so you just want to find a balance. So I think that's just okay. It is. It can feel confusing, but um, to going specifically into the thing about people pleasing, because you've mentioned that a couple of times and validation, um, it can be a really uh, difficult pattern uh, that human beings grow up with. And we can talk about why we might grow up with that yeah. sort of tendency. Um, but the, the reason I think it makes people suffer, obviously, is because you just lose connection yeah. to your own needs. Mm -hmm. And that is such a problem. And the reason it develops um, 
like on a very simple level and, and you know it, it, there's different ways of explaining it but children human children basically need their parents particularly their mums to feel safe human beings are born the most vulnerable creature on planet earth like we're just not capable of doing anything so the most strongest drive in a in a in a human infant is to stay close to the parents or whoever's taking care of them you've got to stay close whatever you do has to be oriented in staying close and if you find that the things that you're doing aren't pleasing your parent or that something that you're doing as an infant or a child is making your parent distant or you think it's making them distant yeah and you'll just try everything in your power to get them close and it might start with like crying and having a tantrum and you know if that doesn't work then you develop different strategies so for example i've worked quite a lot with both parents who had postnatal moms who had postnatal depression and kids who grew up with mums who had postnatal depression so I've seen both right, sides that's of it interesting. there's no shame at all and uh you know no no judgment at all because obviously these things happen nobody can control or predict it but what what can happen and it is okay because you can heal this and I, I really want to tell anyone who's had this experience you can heal this but if you are um postnatally depressed then sometimes what the child experiences is a mother who's not emotionally available for them Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we can be emotionally unavailable in lots of different ways and it isn't the fault of the mum. It really isn't. It's just something that happens. We don't really fully understand why and you can heal it. But anyway, the point of saying that really is just to know that children develop strategies to try and keep their parents close and people pleasing is one of those strategies. So you basically forget your own needs and wants and you just really focus on doing the thing that you think will make the other person happy. And then obviously over, right over time, here. <laughs> Such right a people pleaser. Such a people pleaser. I'm probably less so in the last, since we've probably been doing this podcast and yeah. just been a bit more aware Same. of what I've been doing historically my whole life. But that was all to do with wanting my mother's validation and wanting her to be, you know, to see me, see me, see me. Hi, hi, I'm over here, I'm over here. And she had all of her stuff going on. So it wasn't possible all the time. And I think I just, yes. like you said, I just spent such a large majority of my life just wanting to be loved by other people that I put my own needs right at the bottom of the list oh I know yeah I feel so I'm really aware sad of it. and full of mm. compassion uh yeah. for you in that moment also probably because yeah. I can identify with it a bit and yeah I just think that there's something about that in terms of like the validation that we're seeking from social media at a deep level we're really craving the validation from mum or a maternal kind of figure. Deep down, I think that's what we all want is just a mum mm. or a dad just yep. to say that we're okay, you're actually okay and you're doing mm. okay. And unfortunately, for lots of different reasons, you know, we just sometimes don't don't get that. Louis, did you find because of your experience you just mentioned that you kind of you really resonate with what I just said there. Do you find that that or did, did you find that that had an impact on how you were with your daughter initially? As in, for me, I I, I found it very difficult to leave her because even just to go, you know, to work for a couple of hours or to go meet, I, I was like, all I've I, uh, she's going to think I'm not around, and I had to always be emotionally available to her 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to the detriment of yeah. myself and my needs and what was probably a healthy relationship because of my own experience. Is that, yes. is that, is that resonating? 100%. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So, and again, I did write about this in the book, yes, unashamedly, but <laughs> really to there, there's a chapter this. about narcissism, which is another sort oh, of yes. trend in the 21st century, although it's got like deep roots in our, in our human history. Um, but I write about um, when Rose was born and I was taking her for walks with the little, um, what do you call it? Like papoose thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind carrier. of. That carrier. Kind of thing. Baby yeah. carrier. Carrier. A carrier. I was, I was taking her for a walk around this uh, reservoir near where we lived. And I really felt that I had to be constantly, constantly in interaction with her. Otherwise, you know she she would be okay and then I'd see other parents walking past with their buggies and looking at the phones and I'd be very judgmental uh and then <laughs> and then I had an amazing conversation this is uh just at the start when I was starting to research for the book with an anthropologist who studies childhood in different cultures 
And uh, one of the things that he told me, which was incredible, is that if you look in a lot of cultures around the world, particularly like sort of tribal hunter-gatherer cultures, basically they carry the kids with them all day, but they're not constantly interacting with them. They're just like sort of close, it's skin-to-skin contact, which is important. But, you know, the mums are like tilling the fields and they're working or they're chatting with their friends and the baby's just on the back, just sort of like looking yep. around and doing its thing. And so that was such a, a wake up call for me because obviously, you know, my patterns as a people pleaser and feeling like I just wanted to be needed to be the best dad, it sort of questioned for me a bit whether actually I was just going overboard with it. And actually, what what might be some of the downsides to that where we're just actually not trusting them, just leaving them in their own space and letting them figure mm. things out a bit for themselves without the constant sort of oversight and the feeling that we have to constantly be you know making them better it's exhausting as well isn't it George (laughs) yeah I was gonna say I always think this with like when you're planning to do activities as well because again like I mean my daughter's never been to the farm ever like I've learned second time round I just hate going to those sorts of things so I'm just not gonna go basically (laughs) and at some point she'll probably go on a school trip and that will be fine but I used to think, oh, well, we need to go to the farm. And I remember like we went to Singapore and I hate the zoo. (laughs) I hate it. But because we had a child with us, Axel, he was only one, maybe even nearly two. I thought, well, we must go to the zoo because we've got to do like a child friendly activity. But now, (laughs) like, I just don't do those things. They just do the stuff we do. So like if we want to go to a restaurant, they just come with us. And if yes. well, I know, wanna, we just do the stuff that we enjoy doing with them rather than planning all this like kid-friendly stuff. I mean, they do it. They do those things, um, but just not as much. And I, I just I don't put as much that. emphasis yeah. on great, it now. George. I think that's yeah. so important. Yeah. And um, the, the risk, just to be really clear, of, of not doing that and making the, the kids that you're raising feel like the whole world revolves around them is that they will grow up with a... A, a potential for being narcissistic mm. number yes. one and number two when they actually come into contact with the actual world where the world doesn't revolve around them they're going to really struggle and suffer because the world doesn't revolve around them mm. you know everyone's like off doing their own thing they're not going to be the center of everyone's attention constantly 24 7 and i think it's like a good pattern to interrupt by doing the sorts of things that you're talking about like for me just a small example is like listening to music in in the car yeah so there was yes. a period there was a period where it was like the most oh. annoying oh, kids McDonald's. songs oh mcdonald's let, and let all it of go. That. but then i was like hang on a second this is not okay <laughs> i'm gonna listen to the songs i want and actually i want her to learn and be interested in different types of music this and it's absolutely. great so now we've got a balance where you know we'll play some songs that she likes and I don't necessarily, but we've got a growing playlist of songs that we both love that aren't just like old MacDonald. Or- oh my yes. God, y- you are speaking our language. <laughs> the other day, Luna turned around to me and she went, I love rap. My favourite is Jay Huss and we love Buff Daddy and we listen to him in the car and I'm like, yes, it's going yeah. in. It's going yeah. in. So do you not remember when I, when we, I, obviously Axel was like a baby and we drove from Cheltenham to London and God. we had nursery rhymes on the whole time, two and a half hours. I was like, you've got to let like, me out the I can't fucking deal with this. I can't believe. I now I look back. I'm like, I cannot believe I live like that. Like, I I just, I just, it's weird, isn't it? Because you sort of get into this thing where you think that's what you have to do. (laughs) You do think it's it's part of the. It's part of the sort of culture of parenting. It it Mm. does. Like, there's there's types of parenting, like attachment parenting, which there's a lot of good to be said for attachment parenting. But one of the kind of implicit messages I think is that you constantly should be like doing these things and just constantly responding to your kids needs but that's just not realistic it's exhausting you end up not having any fun getting burned out and the kids grow up thinking or expecting that the world is going to revolve around them so I think this particular message is such an important one to get out it's not ignoring your kids needs obviously yeah there are some people who do that you know, there are some people who do that, but it's just about not feeling that you have to do everything just yeah, to make so them happy. Please, so yeah. interesting. Um, you've obviously had so much, so much experience. Um, and definitely me and George are gonna have you on speed doll now, Louis, by the way. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> how do we how what's your sort of best advice to continually have good relationships with our kids? How do we keep those lines of communication open, have an understanding? 
give them a little bit, but make sure that we're not missing anything in in, in your experience. What do you reckon? I, I think the um, the simplest advice is it just uh, comes down to having that quality time. I know it sounds so simple, but most parents will have an idea of the times when they have the best chats with their kids. For some, it's when they're walking home from school. For some, it's when they're driving in the car. For some, it might be, I don't know, just sitting on the couch, uh, yeah. having dinner. It's different for everyone. But I think if you have that sense and you know that when in these moments when we have the best chats and just make those as consistent and routine as possible. Uh, and the other thing to say is sometimes we need to name things for our kids that they might not be naming themselves. So I am... Okay. I'm uh, doing that quite constantly with Rose, I would say, uh, where, um, you know, if I think, for example, that she's feeling something, uh, but she's maybe not saying it or not articulating it, then I will name it in a non-shaming way. So I might say, you know, something like, you know, Rose, it, it seems like you're feeling a little bit uh, sad about something that happened at school today something like that yeah. now so, so, sometimes they will um push back against that and that's okay because there's you just don't want to force things you never want to force things uh, but a lot of the time kids can really find it so holding and validating that there's a grown-up who's actually acknowledging what state they're in or just picking up on things. Now, there is one caveat to this, which is if your child is in a really like fight or flight dysregulated state, that doesn't work. Like if your child is having a, you know, a, a meltdown, kicking off, having a tantrum or whatever you want to call it, and you say, I think you're feeling a bit frustrated now, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> It doesn't work. So annoying. It does not work, does it? No, it's, no, no, it's no. like it's like a grown up saying it to us. Like, exactly. I think you need to chill out. You go, I think you need to fucking chill <laughs> yeah. out, mate. You I need think to piss you're off. A bit angry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We normally ask our guests about like their favorite products and stuff, but I guess it doesn't really work for this episode. And I think I'd love to get your kind of go to resources, like obviously other than your book or include your book in there as well. Uh, Resources for parents or just resources in general? Yeah, like if something's coming up at home, like where to go to get advice, like any tools that you think are particularly good, um, just anything like that. I mean, where I... uh, where I my, my my mind immediately goes to is just because I love meditation and I don't do it that consistently these days, but I still think it's one of the most fundamental, important practices for mental health. Um, and I know it's hard as a parent to do it, but my favorite um, app for meditation is Insight Timer. Um, and basically what you can find on there is a whole community of uh, teachers from all around the world. So you've got amazing meditations on sleep. Like I can really recommend there's a yoga nidra meditation and I can't remember the name of the teacher, but it's amazing. Uh, if For anyone who's struggling to sleep, yeah. there's meditations. I've got a couple of meditations on there as well. There's meditations for feeling stressed, overwhelmed. There's meditations for parents. It's just an yeah. amazing um resource so i definitely recommend that okay brilliant that's great and the piece of advice that you would give to i uh, potentially maybe a new parent or a parent who's kind of struggling with various things that are going on in their kids lives not 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 coping that well maybe well i feel what i would say from this conversation that we've had it's something about um knowing that there is help always out there Uh, What can happen uh, very commonly, and especially for new parents or parents who are struggling, is because of your own childhood experiences, various patterns that you've uh, and strategies you've developed, you can feel very alone. And we know that loneliness is uh, this huge epidemic. So the Surgeon General in the States said the other day, one in two Americans feel very lonely. And loneliness has all of these problems but Mm. what I really would stress in this piece of advice is there is I I summarize it as love is all around you you just don't realize it you just don't see it but if you can just open your eyes and see that there is support and love all around you and sometimes it comes from surprising places like you might not feel you're getting love from a particular friend or a partner or your parent but be open to the possibility that it can come from you in any direction and when you open your mind in that in that way, you start to see things differently. You will see that there is love in different forms coming at you. 
I couldn't agree with you more. And for anybody listening who feels lonely, go to the airport and stand at the international arrivals and watch, which is what I did yesterday morning picking up my mum, and watching people coming off the plane kids with rucksacks that have been traveling around the world you know a daughter that hasn't seen her mother for like six years because the pandemic and I was in floods of tears yeah we were it's all chatting isn't it? it's yeah. really beautiful mm, <laughs> getting goosebumps just thinking yeah. about it now it was the most wonderful yeah. overwhelming brilliant thing I've seen for a really long time so love is all around love and it's Heathrow Terminal too as well <laughs> um <laughs> Louis thank <laughs> Louis, thank, thank you so you much for so coming on much. what an amazing podcast. Come Thanks back soon. Thank Great you. Really Loved it. it. I just need to keep listening to those episodes over and over again. Like that that kind of episode for me really, really helps me. And so I hope anyone listening, you feel you feel the same. Yeah, I mean it just it just it made me feel, I guess, at the time. I, when we were recording the chat I, I sort of felt quite overwhelmed because mm. there's so many things that I wanted to sort of maybe get a bit of clarity on and kind of check to see if we were doing it in the right you know not that we need somebody to say oh you're doing this right or this is my opinion on that but actually parenting can feel very overwhelming when you're you know when mm. your kids start growing up a bit you know different issues come into play and a, a whole big wide world opens up about you know Instagram and and other types of social media and a- access to all kinds of information that we don't necessarily want them to see at an early age mm, so it's really exactly. great getting someone like Louis on who, who's just such a le- like level-headed gives amazing advice really listens I felt like you and I were having our own therapy session there as yeah well. definitely I know the thing is like you've made such a good point there where you know we don't like the whole sort of thing of you must do this and there being like parenting rules but I do think that as they get older some of the issues you know bigger kids bigger problems like they become scarier and you almost do want that like sounding board and like just to kind of know like okay this is probably the right thing to do this is probably the sort of language that you should be using and just like it's like those small tweaks that you can make that ultimately could have a big difference like and could could make a big difference on you know for instance how you talk about social media and how you talk about body image and all of those big Mm. heavy topics really Mm. um yeah just to get some clarity on it because we are we're the first sort of I guess we're the first generation of parents raising our kids with all this extra stuff going on oh Um, god it's okay we've got each other and everyone listening we're all in it together Um, thank you so much to the wonderful Louis and thank you so much for listening to today's podcast as always we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe and please give the podcast a little follow yeah please do and any feedback on these episodes any guests you want to hear from um, or if you just want to have a chat with us in general then we're on Instagram at Made by Mummers and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. <laughs> 